We've got a few things coming up. Our marriage conference in Destin, Florida, October 28th through the 30th. If you'd like more information about that, you can go to the grow table to my right. I think that would be your left in the, uh, out in the lobby. And they'll share more about how you can get signed up. There's actually a flyer that you can get and it gives you all the information. We also have Grief Share starting in just uh, a few days, August 16th through November 15th, led by Miss Lydia. She does a wonderful job. If you know of anybody who uh, has a loved one that passed away, this is a wonderful opportunity for them to come together um, as people that are grieving and go through that class together so that they uh, may have that peace from the Lord. Also, our senior adult luncheon's coming up on August 18th at Sonny's Barbecue. I was told to make sure you know that that is at Schillinger's Road South. If you go to the other one, I think we have two or three, I don't know. But if you go to the other one, uh, you may be eating with whoever you rode with. So you're going to want to make sure you go to Schillinger's Road South. And then also we have our Missions Kids Fundraiser. Now this is really exciting, so let me take just a moment and share this with you. August 27th, now that's a, a couple days away... Our Luke 4.18 kids is taking time to learn about what life is like for kids in the Ukraine and how they can help. After their event that morning, the kids are going to host a lemonade stand in our carport by the kids hall from 12 to 1 p.m. to raise money for Lifeline orphans in Ukraine. Now, I'm inviting you because I want you to know that that's not a main thorough uh, road, however you say that. Um, where cars are passing all the time. So share with people, come and, and let's support our children as they're going to uh, learn what it's like to, to raise money to send over to the orphans in the Ukraine. So that's 12 to 1 o'clock, our Missions Kids fundraiser on August 27th. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. Now I've got one really uh, special announcement today, and I wouldn't even call it an announcement, uh, a special uh, Time. We have Archie Richardson's here. Archie, would you be willing to come up here for us? Let's... Come on, we're going to go up on the stage. Is that okay? I got gotcha. you. Here we go. Let's come right over here. Okay. In two days... Archie will turn 103 years old. Amen. Hang on one second. Archie, I have one question for you. In the 103 years, as of Tuesday, how have you seen God's faithfulness to bring you all the way to here? Well, it's just... A a matter of, of, of prayer and uh, talking to the Lord and telling Him how much He, you love Him and uh, that you're willing to do what He wants you to do. Amen. 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 I, was, I was shown a picture of Archie cutting his own grass the other day at 102. Are you still going to be cutting it at 103? Yeah, I still do. <laughs> Amen. Hey, can we sing a song? Y'all all know it, right? Let's sing this song together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. 
And Archie, as you go, uh, we heard that you like cards, so we had a lot of people write cards to you, and some of them have even mailed them to you, so you'll get those there too. So I want to give you these cards. Church, if you want to be seated and turn your eyes to the baptistry. Well, good morning. It is always an exciting time when we get to participate and celebrate baptism together. And so th- this morning we have Braden is coming down. Braden has been coming and been a part of our student ministry for two years now. And uh, Braden, two years ago, before the world went crazy, literally days before COVID, shut everything down. Braden came to know Christ as Lord and Savior of his life at D-Now. And so... He came up to me, and we've talked about it some over the spring, but came up to me while we were at summer camp a few weeks ago and said, Matthew, I'm, I'm ready to make it public. I'm ready to, to follow through in baptism. And so th- this morning, we get the joy as a church to, to celebrate Braden making his faith public to the world, that he is in Christ. So Braden, have you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, sir, I do. Braden, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. It's always exciting to see students being obedient to the call of God and the commands of God. Let us join our hearts together in prayer together this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for Braden, God, just his heart of obedience this morning. Lord, I pray that God, we as a church, God, we, we see the, the joy, God. We see the excitement, God. We see the obedience. And God, I pray that we as a body will encourage him and disciple him and love on him as he pursues his walk with the Lord. And God, I pray as we come to this time of worship this morning, God, I pray that all of us can remove whatever distractions have gone on at home, what's ever gone on in life or school or work. God, and let today be a day that we dwell with you. God, may today be a day that we truly worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 What a special day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, It was amazing to to just start with baptism. That's exactly the way that we want to start today, celebrating God's faithfulness and the grace that he gives. Would you stand? Would you say hello to the person next to you? And we're going to praise his name today. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.
that faithful God is here with us today. And the only response we can have is to lift our hands. Say, you are holy. You are our God. And praise His name. Let's do that today. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. We bow down and we worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. And together we sing. Sing it out. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. We stand and lift up our hands.
was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no
things of the world grow strangely dim, that we would not be led by ourselves, but be led by you, that we would run that race because we know the ending. We know the ending is seeing you face to face. We praise you and we're humbled that you have given us such grace and such mercy that you would take a sinner bound for hell in the grave, change us, transform us into a new creation, a son or a daughter of the king. We pray today that we would testify to the hope we found and we give it freely as you have forgiven us freely today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. What a powerful, powerful song. You know, right before that, y'all sang it as well, My Soul, which those who are members of Luke 418 know that that is my favorite of all hymns. Um, the, the one time I wish we had an organ when they sing that song. But it is incredible as we say that, that it's well with our soul when we see him face to face because of Jesus. And then to sing, Behold our God, seated on the throne, and he will reign forever. Church, I'm just going to start by reading to you our verse today. We're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount. We have been in the Beatitudes for five, six weeks. And it says this, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart. And here it is. For they shall see God. Church, I don't know if when we read the Sermon on the Mount, if we grasp how big this statement is. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Just think about it in the Old Testament. When God was showing himself, but instead it was a shadow the, the backside, the shadow, because he's so holy. And here we see Jesus saying, the pure in heart, they will see God. I hope and pray that that statement, that they shall see God, will just overwhelm you this morning. I was reminded all week as I prepared of Brother Fred and Brother Ed, for they have seen him face to face. And I was reminded that it was only by being pure in heart by Jesus Christ that they heard, come in my good and faithful servant. Now there's a statement beforehand that says, blessed are the pure in heart. And so the pure in heart, they're the ones who see God. So today we're going to start by looking at the pure in heart. Now there comes an age in people's life where the doctor says you need to come and get your Uh, have your yearly examination. And one of the things that the doctor does is he checks your heart, right? And so there's two things that, that may happen today. For some of us, we just need to have our heart checked up and to see areas that we need to grow in. But for some of us today, we may need a heart transplant. And so we're going to look at the heart, The first thing I want us to see is kind of what the Bible speaks when it talks about this term of the heart. Almost a thousand times in the scriptures, it speaks of the heart. A few times, it's actually speaking of the organ of the heart. But most of the time, it is speaking of something more than the physical organ. You know, like in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Or when Jesus, speaking of this in Matthew 22, he said, You shall love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The heart of man is the most important, the spiritual part, it sums up all of who we are. To kind of clarify this a little bit better, I'm going to read to you from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says this, what does this mean by the term the heart? 
According to the general scripture usage of the term, the heart means the center of the personality. It does not merely mean the seat of the affection and emotion. This beatitude is not a statement to the effect that the Christian faith is something primarily emotional, not intellectual or pertaining to the will. Not at all. The heart in scripture includes the three. It is the center of man's being and personality. It is the fount of which everything else comes. It includes the mind. It includes the will. It includes the heart. It is the total man. And that is the thing which our Lord emphasizes. The heart of man is that spiritual part of us. It is truly who we are. From the overflow of the heart comes our actions. So let me just say this. A pure heart will bring about pure actions. An evil heart will bring about evil actions. To kind of help you explain that just a little bit better, let's just take Matthew 7. And in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Many will say, Lord, Lord, on that day. And he will say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, for some of us in in this room, that has been a passage of Scripture that has scared us. We said, man, like, are we going to hear that when we get to heaven? Have we, have, have we deceived ourselves, right? But it doesn't scare me when you look at the heart of the matter. Because what Jesus is saying is that there are those who work from a selfish motive, trying to build their way to heaven, trying to be good enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then there are those who have been born again, whose hearts are to serve and honor God with all their being. And they do the works that God has prepared for them. See, what Jesus is saying in that statement is that, yes, You may do works, but let's go to the heart behind that and let's see if it was for the kingdom of God or if it was for a selfish motive. See, church, it all comes down to the heart. The first thing of this heart that I want to look at is that the the condition of the heart. The condition of the heart. Now, by nature, the heart of man is evil. By nature, the heart of man is evil. Let me explain that. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And in that moment, if you were in there Wednesday night, we spoke of this as we're looking at life, death, and and heaven and hell and life after death. And we talked about in Genesis 3 about the fall of man and how death entered the world. In that moment, Adam and Eve were spiritually dead. Because of that, it says that sin entered through one man, went spread to the whole world, death through sin to the whole world. Now our hearts have been tainted by the fall of man. This fall of man in Genesis 3, you may read that and think, oh, just some Bible story. It affects every one of us. It was catastrophic how or what took place. Jeremiah 17 speaks of the heart, and it says this in verse 9 and 10. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Then look at what it says in verse 10 about God. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God says here that I'm the one who, who can see and search the heart. Because of our heart being naturally evil, because of sin that has entered our life, 
This is what it says in Matthew 15, verse 18 and 19. But the things that proceed from the mouth come from where? The heart. And those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, and slanders. Church, we have a problem. The condition of the heart from the fall of man is wickedness and evil. Then there's a greater problem. And that is the next thing I want you to see about the heart is that God doesn't look at our actions, but he looks at the heart. See, if our heart is desperately wicked, if our heart uh, as of, a, of its nature is evil, well, we can't hide that from God because he doesn't look at how we clean ourselves up on the outside, but yet he looks at our heart. Y'all know First uh, Samuel sixteen seven, where God is speaking to Samuel as he is anointing David as king. And he said this, he says, Samuel was like, hey, this is the guy. This is the one. This has got to be him. And God says this, do not look at his appearance or at his height or at his statue, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Church, the Lord looks at the heart. God is not concerned as much with works as much as he is about the heart. He even spoke to the Pharisees and said, you are nothing more than whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you're clean, but on the inside, you're full of dead men bones. Why? Because their heart was far from him. We see that God is not concerned about who's the most physically fit or uh, God's not looking for a certain intellect. God's not looking at all the outward appearances of man, but he's looking at the heart. And look what it says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, one of my favorite passages. I know I say that a lot. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Church, God is looking to and fro, and he is examining our heart today. He's looking to and fro for those whose hearts are completely submitted to him, and he upholds them with his mighty right hand. But church, can I tell you, you can't hide from the Lord. You can't try to clean yourself up in a way that God will overlook your heart. He tells us in Psalm 44, 20 and 21, If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Church, God sees the secret parts of the heart. And even though that, God knows your heart better than you know your heart. If you don't believe me, go home and read Psalm 139 and just allow that to soak in where it says, before there was even words on my tongue, God knew them. Or what about in Hebrews 4.13 where it says, everything is laid bare before God. I'll never forget as a a young kid sitting at Cottage Baptist Church and Brother Fred was preaching actually behind this pulpit, right? And he was preaching and, and, you know, I was young uh, like, like I was born there and, and went through 18 years old. So I was probably like eight or nine years old when I heard this, but I still remember it today. 
Brother Fred saying this, I'm so thankful that God does not open up my whole heart before me at one time because I couldn't handle it. I wouldn't be able to survive. But God shows me and shows me little by little so that my life can be transformed. Church, I'm so thankful that God is a merciful God, that He sent His Son to die on the cross so that we can have a heart transplant. See, we recognize the condition of the heart is evil. We recognize that it's wicked. We recognize that God's not concerned as much about our acts and our works as much as He is about the heart. And so the only way that we can stand before the presence of God is if we have a heart transplant. Salvation is a transformation of the heart, not behavior modification. Let me say that again. Salvation is a transformation of the heart, not a behavior modification. Since the fall of man, our hearts are evil. We're in need of a heart transplant. And God speaks of this when he's speaking to the nation of Israel in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. He says, For I will take you from the nations, and I will gather you from the lands, and I'll bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you clean, or sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you what? A new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Church, this is a powerful, powerful statement. A reflection of what's going to take place through Jesus Christ on the cross. That Jesus came and he died. And praise God, we just sang about it. That God humbled himself to the tomb. But Jesus rose on the third day as Savior and as Lord. And so because of that, we can take this heart of stone. We can take this heart that by nature is evil because of the fall of man. And we can place it before the throne of God. And he places in us a new heart filled by the Holy Spirit of promise. See, that's salvation, church. Salvation is not, oh, I'm going to go to church now. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to make sure that I do this and I do this and I'm going to be good. I'm going to try my best not to do this or that. Salvation is not a change in your behavior. It's a transformation of your heart. And once you have a transformation of your heart, then a behavior change comes because you're filled by the Holy Spirit. Church, God says that we can have a heart transplant. And I'm so thankful today to tell you that I have had a heart transplant. God has taken the heart of stone out of my life and He has filled it with the Holy Spirit of promise and given me a heart of flesh. Jesus, or Paul, speaks. Jesus, through Paul in Romans, He speaks of this conversion. He speaks of the salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe what? In your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. It says, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in what? Salvation. Church, I'm so thankful that when we look at this passage, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
That God did not leave us in this state of a wicked heart. God did not leave us in a state of the flesh, but he sent his son so that we could be transformed. He sent his son so that we could have a heart transplant, that we could be made alive spiritually, that we could have a pure heart. The second thing, though, that we see in this passage is that that heart, though we need a new heart, though we need a uh, transplant of the heart, we also are called to have a pure heart. Second thing we're going to look at is purity. And within purity, there's two things that we're going to see. This word means undivided, but it also means cleansed. So we're going to look at both of those for just a moment. Undivided and cleansed. In 1 Kings 18, verse 21, we see Elijah, right? On the Mount of Carmel, those who go with me to Israel, you'll have the opportunity to go up on Mount Carmel, kind of see the area, the location of what took place. And in that moment, Elijah says these words to the prophets of Baal and Asheroth. He said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And the people would not answer him a word. Elijah says, how long will you have a divided heart between God and other gods? Church, today, if we're going to walk with a pure heart, if we're going to have a pure heart before God, we cannot have a divided heart with any other little g gods. We can't say, well, I have salvation in Christ, but I know that, that works is the way, it's a works-based religion. I can't say that, that I, uh, I'm going to serve God, but I'm also going to serve the God of people-pleasing. I can't say that I'm going to serve God, but I'm also going to serve the God of worldly success and fame. Or for students in the room, I'm, I, you can't say that I'm going to serve God, but I'm going to serve the God of popularity. See, we must recognize that if we have a pure heart, then God has all of our heart. There's no room for any little g gods in our heart. We must lay those down. One of the things that I have seen is that little g gods, false gods, will always demand more and more of you. Why? Because they'll never satisfy you. Think about people who have given into the god, little g god, of people-pleasing. At first, all they're doing is trying to please people, and they, they, it takes up a little bit of their time, but they realize that that's not enough. And so the little G God of people pleasing says, okay, now I want you to lay your family down on there, and I want you to take time away from your family to please others. Well, that ends up not being enough. You do that for a little while, and then he says, okay, now I want you to lay your whole family, your, your wife, your children, everybody. Now I want you to lay your job. I want you to lay everything down right here because you need to spend all your time pleasing people. What happens in that moment? It ultimately comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I know several people, pastors, who have sacrificed everything to the God of people-pleasing and have found themselves finally at a place of falling on their face and repenting before holy God. We must not have a divided heart with other little g-gods. We also must not have a divided heart with material possessions. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate one and love the other, or you, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he says specifically about money or wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. 
Church, wealth is not bad. Material things are not bad until we place them above God or even at equal with God. When God calls us to use the things that He has given us for His kingdom and for His glory, if we hold on tight to them like this, no, I'm enjoying, this is my comfort, God's saying you have now have a divided heart. Church, we must not place any material possessions or any type of, of wealth and security on a world standpoint over God. That can't be something that we worship and, and long for more than we long for God who is our protection, who is our provision, who is enough. One other thing that, that I want us to share about an undivided heart, James 4.4 4 says that we can't have one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. It says, you adulteress, do you not know that friendship with the world is host, hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, I want to be very clear and very careful with this passage. Some of you may read this passage in James 4.4 4 and say, Oh, well, this gives me the permission not to be around anybody in the world. Church, God has called us to share the gospel with all those in the world. God has called us to love our enemies, to serve them, to care for them, and to show them the grace and mercy of God. You can't do that sitting in a chair or, or at your house 24-7. But what it is saying in this passage is that you can't have a heart that says, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to do these things of the world too, and I'm going to join in with the world. See, at that moment, you now have a divided heart. It says in the scripture that the pure in heart, the undivided heart, they will see God. What does Joshua say, the famous passage in Joshua 24, verse 15? He says, if it is desirable for you in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Whether the gods, little g, which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the little g-gods of the Amorites in those lands you were living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, I'm going to tell you, here at Luke 4.18, our leadership is going to serve the Lord and the Lord alone. And I pray that today would be an examination of the heart, that we would say, Father, is there any division in my heart is there anything that is at equal value or even above you? Am I fearful and worried about what's going to come next in life when I know that you have everything under control? I'm not going to be divided with the worries and fears of the world. I'm going to have my eyes on you. As Brother Fred said all the time, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. The question today is do you have a divided heart? Or is your heart fully submitted to the Lord? But purity doesn't just mean undivided or yeah, an undivided heart. It also means a clean heart. A clean heart. We were actually looking at this in our family devotion last week. And uh, the activity was is to go get a cup of water, a clear cup of water, a glass cup, and go and get some dirt from the outside and pour it into your cup and see who wants to drink that. And my kids enjoyed thinking about that, but nobody wanted to drink that water. Why? Because there was impurities that were put into that water, and so nobody wanted to drink it. When we think of a clean heart, it is removing the impurities. 
A clean heart is one with no impurities. This happens through the sanctification process of a believer. You must have a heart transplant first before the sanctification begins. Why? Because this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Church, for some of us, we just sit back and we're comfortable with where we are. And God's saying, no, we're called to continue to walk, abide, dwell daily and grow in Him, removing the pieces of the flesh from us. Psalm 24 tells us, 1 through 6, Who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart? He who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Church, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart? James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10 kind of tells us how we're to cleanse our heart. Now we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us. He says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Church. How do we cleanse our heart? How do we remove the the flesh that is in us? We draw near to God. We draw near to Him. And in drawing near to God, we repent of our sin. James chapter 4, 7 through 10 speaks of that by saying that we're called to turn our laughter into mourning. We're called to humble ourselves. What is He speaking? You remember, blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. We spoke about what are we to mourn over, but we're mourning over the sin in our life. James here is saying, draw near to God. As you draw near to Him, God opens our eyes to see the things in our life that are uh, the, the impurities of our life. And the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to remove those things out of our life. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water church you want to walk in the cleansing of your heart draw near to god allow the holy spirit to have his perfect work in your life here's that word again abide abide in christ Abide daily, for when we abide in Him, the Holy Spirit does a mighty work in our life. We allow the Word of God to wash over us. What does Psalm 119.9 say? How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to His Word. See, church, we are to draw near. We are to abide. We are to let the Holy Spirit do His work in and through us. We are to allow the Word of God to wash over us. And then I also believe to have a clean heart, we're called to ask God through prayer and supplication, just as David did in the Old Testament. Y'all remember David was a man after what? God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. And he says this in Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, create in me. Create in me 
a clean heart. It says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Church, are we asking the Lord to do this work in our life? Are we drawing near to God? Are we abiding and dwelling and letting the word of God wash over us? Because in that, God is purifying and cleansing our our heart. He's cleaning us. As I said at the beginning, that the, the, the sanctification happens after salvation because the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. But now we get to get Now we get to this reward. Happy or blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. Church, that overwhelms me. How many of you in the room want to see God? I mean, all of us. If anybody didn't raise their hand, it would be because you're fearful of seeing God, right? I mean, there's a fear in me of seeing God because I know there's things in me that, that he's still working out of me. Right? He knows me better than I know myself. But I, I mean, just the thought that his creation will be able to see him, the creator. It says we will be able to see God. And I believe that when Jesus spoke this, he meant now and in the future. Let me explain the now. By faith, we can see God now. The pure in heart see God in ways that the world cannot. So let me explain. We see God in creation, do we not? Church, have you ever witnessed a sunrise? Okay, for the young people, a sunset, because I know you're not up early enough. Right? I believe Dolphin Island is actually considered like the sunset capital of Alabama, right? You need to go to Dolphin Island and see the sunset over the West End. It's beautiful. The ray of colors. All that's taking place. And we say, for us as believers who have a pure heart focused in on the King of kings and Lord of lords, asking Him to wash over us with His Word, we begin to think on Scriptures that speak of how God spoke and creation took place. That God is the one who governs over all of this. Jesus holds it all in His hands together. We begin to see God by faith, even through the sunset and the sunrise. What about storms? Church, when a storm rises up on the bay or, or comes in from, uh, from the north or the south, we see and, and, and we just see the power of God, do we not? I love, and we've gotten quite a few of them lately because we've had so much rain around here. I love rainbows in the sky because the scripture tells me that when I look at a rainbow, God is also looking at that rainbow and he is remembering the promises that he made to Noah. So when I look and see a bow in the sky, my brain goes to the scripture and says, God is faithful to his promises. We see God when we walk through the mountains, don't we? And since my wife's in the room, we see God at the beach as well. Throughout nature, we see the fingerprints of God, do we not? What about the human body? Church, our human body, there's no way that evolution could have just, uh, just all of a sudden out of some bubbles came this, and I don't even understand evolution, so let me just say it this way. Our human bodies show us that we have an incredible creator, God. 
Just the fact that I can speak today and my eyes can see and that I can walk, God created something so amazing. What about birth, church? I mean, you want to see God? Be there and look at the face of somebody who just for the first time held their newborn baby. It says that God breathes life into them and gives them life. Church, we see God throughout creation, throughout nature. But do we not see God in our circumstances of life? What about history? What about the nation of Israel? Have we not seen God's hand over the nation of Israel? What about America? I remember sitting there as a, as a kid in history class, one of the few classes I paid attention to. But I remember them talking about George Washington and all these men of faith and, and how like there was no way that, that they should have been able to cross this body of water. And he had all these bullet holes in his shirt and in his coat and, and just how the hand and protection of God over these men. Church, we are witnessing in history God and his hand of protection as we look back on the days that we've seen. What about in our personal circumstances? How many of you ever said, I saw God in the midst of that circumstance? I saw God in the midst of that situation. I saw God. See, by faith, when our hearts are pure and seeking Him, we see God in the ordinary. I love the Aaron Key song that we need to see God in the ordinary. Too often we get focused on the extraordinary and we're like, man, I need this big event to happen. And God's saying, you breathing right now is showing you that I am God. Your heart beating right now is showing you that I am God. Have you ever said during a time of mourning where people say, hey, I'm praying for you. Have you ever said, I felt that? I felt the presence of God in this time. See, church, we see God as our eyes are focused on Him as our heart is pure. But when our heart is divided, when our heart is unclean, we, we're focusing on all these impurities and all this dividedness that we don't see God in the midst of it. The pure in heart, they shall see God. But can I tell you, it's not just now. Oh no. But it's the future too. Let me read to you 1 John 3, 1-3, one, one of... Brother Fred's favorite verses in the last few years of his life. It says this, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him does what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. Oh, church, there's a day coming that we're going to breathe our last breath or the, or the trump's going to sound and we will see our Savior face to face. But the only ones who will be able to stand are the pure in heart. 
The only ones that will be able to stand before the throne of God are the, uh, the merciful. The only ones are the ones who are poor in spirit. The only ones are the, the meek. Blessed are all these people. Why? They will see God. Why? Because the righteousness of Jesus has been placed upon them during that heart transplant. When Brother Fred breathed his last, when Brother Ed breathed their last, both of them stood before the throne and neither of them entered into the kingdom of God because of all their years of serving as a pastor and music pastor. They entered in because their hearts had been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, come in my good and faithful servant. Church, there's a day coming that every one of us will see him face to face. Those who are in Christ, who have the righteousness of Christ upon them, they shall stand. And those who do not, they will fall on their face. It says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Revelation twenty-two fourteen through 15 speaks that very clearly. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, sorcerers, sexual immoral person, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves the practice of lying. What does it say in there? Blessed are those who have had their robes washed. They have a pure heart. But those who never had a heart transplant. It says they're outside the gate. Church, I'm not here to put anybody in a part of fear. You may say, well, David, how do I know if my heart is pure? I don't, I don't want to stand before the throne that day and hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I want my heart to be pure before God. Let me tell you, you speaking that tells me that the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Because if you're focused on yourself and your own motives, you're not going to really be concerned about all that. But I will tell you, ask the Lord to show you your heart. One of my prayers here as a pastor is, God, I pray that the church would know my heart. Ask the Lord to show you your heart. Show me any evil way about me so that I may repent and turn to you, O God. If there's anyone in this room today who has not had a heart transplant, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. The scripture says that if you confess your sins, repent of your sins, and ask God for forgiveness, and that you submit to the lordship of Christ, it says that you shall be saved. It's not about, hey, I've got to clean myself up, and then I'm going to come, because you can't do that. You can't clean yourself up. You can't do something that only the Holy Spirit can do. But church... The Lord is looking to and fro across the earth for those whose hearts are completely His. And He says that He will uphold them with their mighty right hand. Does, the God, does God see us? Does He see you? Today is a day for a heart checkup. If there's any division in your heart, I pray today you would lay that down and submit to the Lord fully. If there's any impurities that keep creeping into your heart, I pray that you would lay that down before the throne of God because blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Let's pray.